really smart people can do really stupid things. That is a fact. And so today, the need is not so much for more intelligence, more knowledge, whether it's individuals or artificial intelligence. What we really need is wisdom. And that's the message from the Apostle Paul to his friends in the city of Corinth. You need to walk in wisdom. And this entire letter of 1 Corinthians addresses that need. What had happened was that these people had come to Christ in faith some years ago. He had discipled them, he had mentored them, he had taught them through the ways of living the Christian life, but they had started to drift. And they drifted away from the kind of wisdom that they should have had. And so he is calling them back to walk in wisdom. And I thought, how practical, how relevant is this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? Because it really addresses our present challenge. Our need is not so much for more intelligence, more computers, more information, but for believers to have a greater sense of wisdom and understanding. We need that in our marriages, our relationships, when we're raising our kids, we're giving counsel to our friends, and working through job situations, making a decision on a move. We need wisdom every single day. But we're probably not looking in the right place. And so as we look at this text of Scripture, there are 11 verses here in chapter 2 that move from verse 6 to verse 16. So I'm not going to read all of that at once because I think it would just be too much to process, but I'm going to work through them as I ask four basic questions. First is, what kind of wisdom are we talking about? Second, how is that wisdom received? Third, who can have this wisdom? Who is it available to? And finally, what difference does it make? That's really the so what. What difference does this wisdom make in our lives? So let's look first at this question. What kind of wisdom is the Apostle Paul talking about to these believers? Look at verse 6 of chapter 2. He answers this by saying, we do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. So he's going to talk about two kinds of wisdom. Now we may want to make a list of many other kinds of wisdom, but basically they really come down to two kinds of wisdom. Your own wisdom or the world's wisdom, he talks about the spirit of the age, the wisdom of the world, which would include you, your friends, all of the things that we look at horizontally that would give us the ability to navigate through life. And then he's going to talk about God's wisdom. 
You know, when you think about where do we get our information, where do we get our wisdom, how can we make a decision? We, we want to find the expert. And I heard a good definition of an expert. It's a drip under pressure. And honestly, that's about all you get. Anyone can call themselves an expert. But in this day and time, there were experts everywhere. The Greek culture predominated this part of the world. Paul is writing to his friends in Greece. He had been through Greece. When he had gone on his, his second missionary journey, he had gone to Athens, was debating with the philosophers. Even though the Roman Empire ruled the world, the Greek culture really ruled the thoughts and the minds of the people. So language, arts, writing, rhetoric, poetry, and philosophy. You'll remember names like this, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, so philosophy, two words really that make up philosophy, the love of wisdom. And so this was Greek culture. They loved wisdom. They loved rhetoric and talking and debating and writing poetry and sharing of ideas. And so this was elevated everywhere. And all of the world's wisdom is not bad. Much of it comes from things that are written in Scripture. And you can hear things and see things and know things that are on a very horizontal level that you didn't receive from God that are practical and helpful. But there's a difference. This wisdom of the world or the spirit of the age, which he talks about, that the wisdom of this age cannot deal with the fundamental problem of evil. Now, this is, this is absolutely critical. Because they're, they're, part of this evil is the result is sin and death. And, and so the wisdom of this age, the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of human minds or artificial intelligence cannot resolve the issues of sin and of death. They perpetuate. So if they had true wisdom, and this is really the evidence, if they had true wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We go back to the time of the crucifixion of Christ, and we remember how, how profound in our minds this was, that, that all through the scriptures, and you see this building up for 2,000 years of evidence, projecting the Messiah to come, and we're reading through all of these places that that show that he is going to come. And when he comes, they don't even see it. The religious leaders, the ones that studied the scriptures, they studied the word, they were in this message every day and didn't see it. The Roman government, the prestigious leaders, the people who had all knowledge and authority and, and are supposed to know everything, didn't see it. And the people, the common people didn't see it. And so when you look at this, that Jesus Christ hung on a cross, rejected by the entire world, even his disciples had scattered. They did not see the wisdom of this fact, what Jesus was fulfilling everything that had been prophesied. What did it seem like to the world? Absolute foolishness. Absolute foolishness. And that's why in chapter 1 and coming into chapter 2, Paul talks about this Christ and this cross and this crucifixion to the world is foolishness. But to us who are saved, what it has done, it has conquered sin 
and it has conquered death. With all the science, all the technology, all of the philosophy, generation after generation after generation of people will sin and they will die. They will sin and they will die. They will sin and they will die. And this is why the wisdom of the world is foolishness. The wisdom of God is a totally different thing. So this is what Paul is talking about. I'm not talking about the wisdom of this age, the philosophers, the well-known Greek philosophers. I'm talking about the wisdom of God. This is the kind of wisdom I'm talking about. In verse 7, it says, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. Well, you think about that statement. That is amazing. That before God created the earth, he predestined us before all of these ages, this wisdom that we might have faith and belief in Jesus, his son, and have glory. The glory is the exaltation. You notice the two things that we, we've looked at in the previous messages are the cross and glory, which seems foolishness to the world. But for us, the cross accomplishes eternal things. And glory is when God fulfills his will. He, he brings us to a fuller place and we are really exalted in him. Verse eight says, none of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom. That's pretty amazing too. Because what he had done from ages past and is fulfilling now, none of the rulers of this age understood this wisdom. It was, he describes it this way as hidden. It is hidden to them. They're blinded to it. It is a mystery to them. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as the heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So this is foolishness to them, and their wisdom, their wisdom is foolishness to God. Verse 9, it says of this text in in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. What the world can't comprehend, what the world can't see, what is hidden in a mystery, God has revealed in his wisdom to us to have that understanding. So that is the kind of wisdom Paul is talking about, not the wisdom of the age, not the popular culture, which my belief is this, is that we as Christians tend to start looking down at popular culture wisdom rather than the wisdom of God. That is the kind. But secondly, we'll ask this question, how do we get this wisdom? How do we have it? How do we receive it? How can it be a functional part of our lives? And to answer that question, we read verses 10 to 13. It says, now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Notice that. He has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. It's probably capitalized the Spirit in your Bible, making reference to the Holy Spirit. This is God the Spirit. So since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who has known the thoughts except his spirit within him? 
In this way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Notice what he said there at the end, explaining spiritual things, eternal things, weighty things to spiritual people. What was once hidden and a mystery is still hidden. People blinded to this truth. They see Christianity as foolishness. They see one way to heaven through Christ as foolishness. They see the scriptures as foolishness. They see prayer as foolishness. The apostles were speaking these words from God. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Peter was one of the apostles as well. And he makes this statement. He says, Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is how we got the scriptures. Men spoke from God. They spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so when we're reading these words, they're words from the Spirit. The Spirit itself gives life to us and wisdom. Christ and his spirit. In John 14, verses 25 to 27, he talks about how, how this happens with the spirit. Jesus said, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything. Everything I have told you, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift to, that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So what is the gift that Jesus gave? He, he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And after a number of days, he ascended back up into heaven. And he told his disciples as they're watching ascended up into heaven uh, that I'm going to come again. And he said, I'm going to leave you with peace, but it's not just a concept of peace. I am, I am leaving my spirit, the Holy Spirit, your advocate, and the Holy Spirit will take up residence in your life, and it says he will teach you all things. So this is, this is how we get wisdom. The Holy Spirit teaches us everything that we need to know. That's an amazing, amazing thought. So what kind of wisdom? It is God's wisdom. And how do we receive it? How do we get it? It is by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaking the words of God to us in our hearts gives us wisdom. And I think this is one of the most amazing things that, that we experience as believers, how the scriptures are, he calls these the sword of the spirit. In other words, the scriptures and the Holy Spirit working in my heart to teach me everything I need to know. Now, let me, let me say this. The world will not teach you everything you need to know. They'll teach you a lot of things, but they will not teach you everything you need to know in light of eternity. So, our third question. We've talked about the kind of wisdom and how we receive it from the Holy Spirit, but now, who gets this wisdom? <laughs> who is a candidate 
You say, I would really like to have that wisdom. So who can have that wisdom? And he's very specific about this. He says in verse 14 and, and to 16, he says, but the person without the Spirit, in other words, you don't have the Holy Spirit, does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? So what this is saying, who, who gets the Holy Spirit? And I think this will come back to the question, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You know, it's probably the, the most consistent, uh, constant message that we preach and teach here, is that every single person needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. It's not by works. All the works in the world you do, that's human wisdom. Checking off boxes, going to church, giving your money, trying to live a good life. That's it, not the way. The, heaven is a free gift from God, and it was purchased by the death of his son on a cross for your sins. And if you believe upon him, in other words, you put your faith and trust in Jesus alone, you will have eternal life. You have Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will dwell in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. He will never leave you or forsake you. That is an amazing thought. So a spiritual person is not a perfect person. A spiritual person is someone who has first has the Holy Spirit. They have his spirit so that they can comprehend and understand the language that God is speaking to them through the word. So that is the most critical thing. You can't live a Christian life without being a Christian. And because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Any more that, that uh, being in a garage will make you a car. You must put your faith personally in Christ. There's a point in time in your life where you transfer your trust from self or anything else in this world to Jesus Christ alone. And my prayer is that you, you if you've not done that, that you would do that today. And then you are a recipient, you, you're a recipient of the Holy Spirit. And then you can begin to have spiritual wisdom. Now, notice what else he says. It's not just having the Holy Spirit at salvation. If we go back to verse 6, he says, we speak wisdom among the mature. And it's an interesting word, mature. Um, the word is the same word as teleos we get for telescope. So you're looking way down the line to a distant and was used to talk about something completed or sometimes translated perfect, but not in the sense of without any flaw. But when, when your life is fully and completely developed, that's what it's speaking about. So we, we are speaking to not only people who have the Holy Spirit, but they're mature they're developed Christians. Now, what does that look like? <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's to me a really important question to ask ourselves. What does a really mature Christian look like? And it's not that they became a Christian 40 years ago or 10 years ago. 
Because maturity doesn't just come with time. That's so critical to understand. I have seen churches filled with people who have been believers for years that have no maturity. And so they have no wisdom. They have the Holy Spirit, but they don't have wisdom because they're not mature. There there hasn't come a place in their lives where they are engaged daily with the working of the Holy Spirit and communication with God. This is really important to understand. I've, I've seen people that, that can quote great sections of Scripture. Uh, they have never missed a Sunday in, in years. They live a really good life, but they're not wise. And you can see the foolishness coming out in their lives because they're functioning with a worldly wisdom. They don't have God's wisdom. So what does maturity look like? Living with godly wisdom. One, it's having the Spirit. We said that, that you have put your faith and trust in Christ. But secondly, it means learning to walk in the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, walk in concert with the Spirit. Listen to this verse in Galatians 5 and verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want you to see what this verse is saying. If we live in the Spirit, in other words, I have the Holy Spirit, I have become a Christian, I've received Christ as my Savior, the Holy Spirit is with me every day until I'm with Him in heaven. He's saying that not just that, but being mature is keeping in step with the Spirit. The, the word stoicheo, it's, it's a, a very interesting word in the Greek culture because it was a, the word that was used for a military line to keep in step. It was also used to describe dance partners and keeping in step. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit helps us do is keep in step with God, keep in step with the wisdom of God. So as his child, I can hear and understand, but every single day, he is calling me to keep in step. How does he do that? He does that through his word, the scriptures, and he does that through his spirit. Do you remember what we read a little bit ago? It says, he will teach you all things. So the Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. He will challenge you and convict you. He will comfort you. He will help you. He will, he will do all these things. But when we spend daily time, which I think you cannot become a mature believer and have real godly wisdom unless you spend regular, consistent time in the Scriptures and listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you, and He will be calling you to change. Well, change into what? I don't know if I want to change. He is calling you to change every day to be more like Jesus. Now, that to me is a pretty good change. I would think for every single one of us that would be a good change. But that's how we become mature. It's not just a long period of time as a Christian. It is when I have the Holy Spirit at salvation and I keep in step with the Holy Spirit by listening to his word, hearing his voice speak to me and teach me and responding in faith and obedience on a daily basis. Then I'm able to walk in wisdom. So our final point that we come to, we've talked about what kind of wisdom? It's God's wisdom, not the world's wisdom, not the wisdom of the sage, not the leaders of the sage, not the Aristotles, the Plato's, the Socrates. It's God's wisdom. And 
How does God transmit that to us? It's by his Holy Spirit. And third, who does he give this wisdom to? It's ones that have the Holy Spirit and they keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We're going to move to our final point, though, which I'll, I'll say it this way. What difference does it make? Why would I want this? Why, why would I want God's wisdom? What difference will it make in my life? Which I think is always a good question. He says in, at the end of verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ. When you walk in wisdom, you have the mind of Christ. You think the way Christ thinks. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, this is another letter that Paul wrote to uh, a church that was in the central part of Turkey. And he says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what kind of mind? And he goes on to talk about how the mind of Christ, he humbled himself to death on a cross, and God exalted him to glory. He walked in wisdom. Even though there was a downward trend in this world, with this world system, into humility, and that's what it took to be born in Bethlehem in a manger, to live a very common life, to go through the suffering he went through and to die on a cross. You say, that seems like foolishness. It's foolishness. But remember what he accomplished? He conquered sin and death, what all the philosophers could not do and cannot do. The spirit of this age, he accomplished that. And then it says, God exalted him, which also we get the word glory. So you go from, from the cross to glory. And God will also glorify himself in us as we follow that wisdom. And the result of that, uh, unlike the worldly wisdom that passes away, remember that little phrase that we read early on? It says, this wisdom of the age that passes away. Well, all the men and women of this age pass away. All that wisdom passes away. All of the inventions, the greatest things in life pass away. But God does not pass away. His wisdom does not pass away. And believers do not pass away in that sense, sense eternally. So unlike the worldly wisdom that passes away, yours will endure for eternity. And you I want you to really capture this. You will enjoy the fruit or the evidence, the bounty of godly wisdom. What is the fruit of good wisdom, of godly wisdom, as compared to this world? We find this, the fruit of the Spirit. This is Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of wisdom. So when you say, how can you pick out a person who's really walking in wisdom? That's going to be the evidence. They're content. They're at peace. There may be turmoil all around them. They're not wringing their hands about everything. They have an eternal perspective. Because every day, God is channeling his wisdom to their hearts through his word and through his spirit. Now, this is what the world needs. Now, we come to the, the challenge overall with this letter to, to Paul's dear friends in Corinth. They've been drifting. They've been drifting. There was a day, there was a day 
when they were in the word, God was speaking to them. They were responding in faith. Their life was changing, but now they're stagnant. They're not growing. They're not acting wisely. They're acting foolishly. They're captivated by the philosophers of the world. And he's calling them back to the wisdom of God. And I think this is what the church needs today because I think the church is filled with people like the church in Corinth. The modern day church is like the church in Corinth. We're gonna see that as we go through this week by week. We've lost our godly wisdom and we're banking on the wisdom of the age. And that's why there's so much stress and fear and anxiety and distress. So this challenge, walk in wisdom. And Paul is saying, we speak, we speak wisdom among you. So I'd like to conclude this morning's message by just asking you two questions. Two questions, because I think this is critical for you to have wisdom. One, do you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? If you're not sure, you can be sure. If you've not done that, you can. God will not force you to do that. But he invites you to have that relationship with him. And that is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior. You have the Holy Spirit. Secondly, a second question is, are you walking in the Spirit? That's a, maybe a little tougher one because I'm speaking to a lot of Christians right now. And Paul is talking to Christians. They're not walking in the Spirit. They're not in the Word. They're not letting the Holy Spirit convict them and teach them and guide them. They're not responding in faith to obey the things they're learning. And they're miserable. So my prayer is this, is God calls you either to receive Christ as your Savior or to, once again, as a believer, begin walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, that today would be the day that you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to live with that kind of wisdom, and I'm going to enjoy the experience of all the blessings you pour out to my heart in doing so. Let's bow together as we pray. Lord, you know how easily we drift we look around, we're so impressed by worldly wisdom. It's passing away. Lord, may we look up to you and may you restore that hunger and thirst for your word and to respond to your spirit speaking to us every single day and may we obey everything you show us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.